You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. Acts chapter 2. If you have it, say amen. As we began last week, the church's birth was not on the day of Pentecost. The church's birth was not at that moment when the Holy Spirit fell and they began to speak in other tongues and all of a sudden all kinds of stuff was going on and people were saved and great stuff happened. Brother and sister, I truly believe that the church was birthed not at the day of Pentecost, but it was introduced to the entire world. That the entire world all of a sudden recognized what Jesus had been building. What had he been building? In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, Jesus saw Simon Peter. He saw Andrew. He looked at them and said this, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Look at your neighbor and say, Make. Jesus is in the building of making. And the Bible says in verse 20 that they left their nets immediately and they followed after Jesus. That is the power, brother and sister, of hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel and moving after Jesus. It's amazing what happens in your life. He will begin to make in you. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, Jesus is asking this question, What do men say that I am? And then he asks them, I don't care what men say, but what do you say that I am? And in this moment where he turned it from what everybody else said to what a person says or an individual says, what you say, that is what is important this morning. Listen very carefully. I don't know. Listen, in a world... You know, it doesn't matter what your mama says. It doesn't matter what your daddy says. It doesn't matter what your pastor says. It doesn't matter what your greasy granny says or anything else. Maybe not so much, but anyways, anyway. That's one of those, those nursery rhymes or whatever. Those little, anyway, uh, anyway, but anyway, give me a break. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what your aunt says. Your uncle says, doesn't matter what anybody else says. What it matters is this, who do you say that Jesus is? And he comes to this position in Matthew chapter 16, and he builds it on this one thought. And that is this, it's what you say that allows you to be able to have something greater happen in your life. You can have the idea of what a church is, but brother and sister, what did he say? He tells them this, Simon Peter says this, Oh, you are Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus immediately says this, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, Peter, but this is something that was revealed to you from my Father which is in heaven. Brother and sister, understand this. It's not what you think. It's what the revelation that you have had in your heart of who Jesus is. That's the reason why you can quote Bible all day long. But it's a huge difference between what you know and what you believe in your heart and that which you are living out in your life. Ooh, Lord have mercy. See, brother and sister, you can be able to say a whole bunch of stuff, but just because you say it does not mean that it's truth. But brother and sister, whenever you begin to have a revelation of who he is, it begins to affect the way that you live. And what did Jesus say? Brother and sister, he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for brother and sister, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father did. And upon this confession of faith, what does he say? I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. So Jesus in Matthew, here in Matthew chapter 4, he says this, I will make. But in Matthew chapter 16, he says this, I will build. What? My church. And last week we talked about what is the church. The actual, the first time that it's in scriptures in Matthew 16. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. 
Meaning this, called out ones. You are the ones that have been called out of the earth, that have been called out of sin, called out of your mess, called out of your stuff, and you are following the Lord. Just like what happened to Peter and Andrew and James and John in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus saw them in their stuff, saw them in their situation, saw them in their regular life, and He looked at them and says, Come and follow Me. And when He said, Come and follow Me, they followed him. And when they followed him, guess what? Their lives were changed. And he began to build his church, which he then introduced in Acts chapter 2. Brother and sister, understand this. The church is not, as we talked about last week, is not a building. It is not a social club. It is not a charitable organization. It can have those aspects of it, but the church alone is not that. But then, sister, understand this. The church is you. The church are those that have believed the message of Jesus and have followed Him out of religion, have followed Him out of bless me clubs, have followed Him out of sin, have followed Him out of bondage, and have had a personal revelation of who Jesus is that has then changed into a personal relationship with Jesus that has turned into a lifestyle of following Jesus. Brother and sister, we found that out in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 when he says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols for you? are the temple of the living God. Brother and sister, the church is not a building. A church is not the building. The church is you. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Lord Jesus. Whew. Somebody just lift up a hand and do this real quick for me. Ooh, now say amen. amen. Thank you. Praise God. I thought all of a sudden the spirit of lockjaw Hey, just come on, everybody. I just want to make sure that everybody, we don't need to stop and just pray for people right now. In the name of Jesus. This morning, realize this. You are the church. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the living God. And understand what then begins to happen. Because, brother and sister, you are the church and then as we begin to move into the introduction of the church, we begin to find something out. That you are not just the church that is empty on the inside, but Jesus says this, I want to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and I want you to be the very temple of the Holy Ghost flowing out of you. He wants you to be empowered this morning. Now, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, let me tell you in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Listen to what the Word of God says. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on on high. The very last bit of instructions that He gave to the church was this. Go to Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem, there you're going to receive power. Understand something, the church was never designed to be a religious organization. Let me, let me, let me say that again, because I want everybody to hear this. The church was never designed for you just to come in on a Sunday and sit yourself down on a pew and to be able to kick the knee thing down so you could be able to knee, kneel down on just a padded seat. He never intended for you just to be a straight religious organization. He never intended for you to be a charitable organization alone. He never intended for you to be a bless me club where we are just more concerned about what goes on inside the building than what goes on outside of the building. Mm, Jesus. He never intended that this morning. He never intended for any of that to be able to transpire. What He intended, and that was this, for you as the church of the living God to be empowered in the Holy Ghost so that you can be a difference in the world around you. 
You are to be an empowered church. You are to be a field church. Now guess what? Whenever you are an empowered church, guess what? You will gather together. You will have moments of service. You will have moments when you gather together as the body of Christ. But guess what? That is not the only thing that will define you, brother and sister. Understand this. There will be moments that you do give. There will be moments that you take up offerings so that you can be able to give. So that you can be able to help those in need. Brother and sister, yes, there will be moments whenever you look at the needs that are going on inside the church and inside your brothers and sisters and you will reach out to them to be able to bless them. But if that's all that it is, then you have missed out on what church is all about this morning. I pray you get a hold of what church is all about. Church has little or nothing to do with just have service, brother and sister, where you come on a Sunday morning. Brother and sister, yes, you will have those meetings, but it's not meant to be light a candle and sit yourself down and be quiet, but it's to be able to come into a position that we come into the presence of the Lord and we allow Him to work in our lives. Some days when the presence of the Lord comes, it is throw your shoes off and kick them high heels off and run and buck and jump and dance. Let me tell you something. There are those times. You say, Brother Tim, I am a little bit more subdued. But realize this. Let tell you something. You can be subdued 90% of the time, but understand something. There will be those moments Have you ever come to a position where you've grabbed a hold of a live wire? <laughs> there have been moments that I have brushed up against, grabbed a hold of something that I thought maybe they didn't have the, the, the wire nut on quite well enough or whatever, and just, wow, thank you, Jesus. Guarantee you this, I, there was a moment that I, I, woo, Lord, I dropped whatever I had and just, woo. Understand, there will be moments whenever you're in the presence of the Lord, whenever you get a live bit of the Holy Ghost and it jumps on you and you just don't know where to do and you're just like, woo, fuck my. Okay, understand something. That's okay. It's fine. Why? Because understand something. There are things that your body cannot take and the presence of the Lord is one of those things that it will override what your body will do where your balance goes out where you'll shake and buck and do things that you don't... And people around you may look at you and go, what in the world? But you don't care. Why? Because you've done got a hold of something that's alive and whoo, my Lord have mercy. Understand something. There will be those moments, though, that whenever you walk in in the presence of the Lord, and all of a sudden you just got one of these things where it's just like, where you can do nothing but just weep, where you can do nothing but just cry, where you just feel like you just want to get on the floor. And you just want to just kneel down before Him. And you just want to worship Him in, in the sweetness and the presence of the Lord. Realizing that the awesomeness of the Holy Ghost is in the building. And the only thing that I can do is just be there. And to be able to just, just bask in the presence of the Lord. Man, those are awesome moments. There are moments when the only thing that you can do is just lift a hand and just say, thank you, Jesus. And you can't form any other words but just thank you, Jesus. Realize this, there will be moments that you will just worship and you will just, oh, but understand this, my friend. There is a reason why that when you get in the presence of the Lord, if you walk into service and your idea is, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that and I'm not going to act that way and I'm not going to do this. I pray your service is miserable until you get free. Is it miserable? Yeah. Why? Because those moments, whenever the Holy Ghost comes and it touches that emotions in your heart, it begins to break all that junk and all the burdens down. Man, that stuff that just makes you miserable. The, just the, just the, just the, the burdens of life. 
the burdens of all the junk that's on you and all the stuff that is around you. Brother and sister, he wants you to be free of that. So what does he do? He causes the presence of the Lord to strum across those emotions to allow you to at times just kick off all the weight on you and just thank you, Jesus, or to just lay down and just weep until all the burdens fall off of you. Brother and sister, realize there's a realness that happens in the presence of the Lord. And the moment that we qualify ourselves as, well, I'm more this or I'm more that, the Lord says, no, 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 no. Don't qualify yourself. You just get in the presence of the Lord and just be a worshiper and let the Lord take care of the rest of it. Let the Lord take care of the rest of it. That's why, Brother Andrew said, I don't care if your song is 150 years old or there's this one song we sang this morning I, I don't think I ever heard before. I had never heard that song before, but I wanted to hear it again. Lord have mercy. Why? Because there is something about whenever it's not about the music and it's not about the style, and it's not about any of those things. Brother and sister, I mean, it doesn't matter why, because I as a worshiper, I as a person that is coming after the presence of the Lord, when I get in the presence of the Lord, everything begins to go after Him, and whether it's a shout, or whether it's a, just a lifting of my hands, or whether it's me saying, thank you, Jesus, or weeping, or falling in the floor, or hopping, or dancing, I I don't care as long as he's there. So if it's all sitting in my seat and the only thing I can do is glory and blessed be the name of the Lord, I want that glory to resonate from the very bottom of my spirit all the way through up to the very portals of glory. Why? Because he's worthy of the praise this morning. The Lord never intended for us to be dead, dry, plucked up by the roots 14 times. And stinking in Jesus' name. I was out cutting grass, and grass had gotten too, too so high, and I was weed eating around this area back over there. And as I was weed eating, it was right to the left of my drive. And I weed eated, and I weed eated, and I weed eated again because the grass was like up forever. And we did again. I was like going. And by the time that I finished and got down a little bit, and this is one reason why you work from the top down and just don't try to cut it off into dirt. Why? Because you may find a skunk that's embedded somewhere in them. And I'm like going, Whoo, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Guy was over and he was uh, came over to. And one of, the, one of the little mowers, he's going to give me a hand, and he pulls up over there, and I'm like going, don't go over there. Don't go over there. I started there, and I stopped there. I'm ready to just clean up. I'm ready because it stinks. He walks over and just grabs and picks it up and carries it on the other side of the road and throws it in their yard. I thought, Lord, have mercy. I looked at him, I said, Lysol. I don't even know if that's going to be enough. He was like, it's just dead animal. I'm like going, hey, da, 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 da. Oh, that don't mean, no, 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 no. Hey, realize this, brother and sister. God did not call us to be a church that's dead. And that whenever you walk in, it's one of these things. Have you ever been in a place that just stinks? All right. Have you ever sat down next to somebody that just stinks? You know what you do. You come in there, and if you realize that it's, it's the only seat in the house, and you come sit down, you realize real quickly. That's the reason why it's the only seat in the house. You look under your chair, and you look, and you wonder what in the world, and you know that there's something reason why in some of these office buildings I've gone into, the rooms that are next to the bathroom area, nobody ever wants to sit there for some odd reason. There's a reason. But anyway, you go in, you sit, and you're just like, and you realize real quickly, you can, 
You can only hold your breath so long. You know the little side mouth breathe, you know, breathing technique? Because it comes to a point pretty quickly that you're like, listen, it's not worth me being in here. And you have to start doing these calculations in your mind. Is it worth me putting up with this to actually be here? Listen, can I tell you something? That's the last thing that I want Rose of Sharon to be when somebody walks into this church. That when they come in, you have... Mm, Jesus, help me for just a moment. Whenever you come in this building, I pray that every visitor that comes walking in this place, when they walk into this house, that they immediately don't have to sit next to somebody and say, do you even want to be here? Have you ever been to places like that? When you walk in, you're like going... They don't want to be here. They don't look like they want to be here. Why am I here? You know what happens? They won't be here for very long. They'll suffer through the service. But they won't come back. Why? Brother and sister, understand something. God did not call us to be dead. God has called us to be alive in His presence. And He's called us to be in a position that allows us to be able to be empowered in such a way that we experience life in us. We experience life on Monday. We experience life on Tuesday. When I come to church on Wednesday, there's still life flowing out of me. On Thursday, there's life. On Friday, there's life. On Friday night, there's still life. On Saturday, there's life. And when I come into church, it's a celebration of life. Honey, that's the reason why I can dance. That's the reason why I can shout. It's the reason why I can give God glory. Why? Because I'm celebrating today what God has done all week long in my life. Now, brothers and sisters, some of you may not understand that, and that's the reason is because you don't stay in the presence of the Lord long enough to celebrate the presence of the Lord on a, re, on, a, on a basis. But realize this, if you will get into a position where that you will learn every day to be in the presence of the Lord, when you get to church on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever you go, guess what? It's a celebration of what Christ has done. That's the reason why you can dance. That's the reason why you can shout. Why? Because it's not just an emotional reaction that you just have. But brother and sister, it's a celebration of what Christ has done in your life. And it's a Sunday I know he's true. Brother and sister, we come in a position in Acts chapter 2. Now we find him, and now I'm getting to the text. I've already preached the first part, the first message, the first, uh, the first point. But look at Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound of heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Brother and sister, understand something. Whenever believers get together, there is unity in unity, and whenever there is unity, crazy stuff happens. The day of Pentecost is, is, is only becomes available to those that have been in the presence of the Lord and in a prayer meeting leading up to it. You want to experience revival in your life? Pray. I challenged you last week to pray. 
Brother and sister, I wonder how many has been praying this week. I wonder who came prayed up and ready to go this morning. I wonder who is in a position where we don't have to do CPR every Sunday to get your spiritual heart started. But if you are walking in the presence of the Lord every day living it. Oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I'm here to tell you something this morning, church. I do not want us to be a CPR church. I want us to be a church that is alive and well. A church that experiences the life of God. Because understand something. Realize what happened here in this passage of Scripture. You read in verses 1 through 6. Look at what's happening. The Holy Ghost falls inside the building. The building can't hold what is happening to the church. The church, those 120 that are there, spill out into the street. Okay? The church building could not contain what was going on inside the building, and it spilled out into the, into the street. Realize this, brother and sister, you want to have life? Life does not begin and end in a church building. It begins outside and it thrives outside. Mm, Jesus. And realize what then begins to happen. The Bible says this, when the Holy Ghost begins to fall and stuff's happening, you know what begins, the Bible says what begins to happen? People hear what's going on and they start coming to be able to figure out what's happening. They come to watch. Dear God, pray, my Lord have mercy. I've heard stories how that they used to have, they didn't have AC on in the church. So they'd have to raise the windows in the church. And they would raise the windows in the church, which allowed two things, to allow a cross breeze to blow in the church. And then what would happen is the neighboring community would come, and if they didn't have enough guts to come in the church, they would hang outside the windows to see what God was doing in the church. Dear God, let us come back to a time Whenever the presence of the Lord is so real and God is doing such great things and the church of Jesus Christ has become empowered to such a point that we see things just like this where people come to church just to be able to see what God is about to do. They begin to see what is happening. The Bible says this, they are amazed and then later on, they are confused. They're confused. Let me just share this with you. Understand this. In a Pentecostal church, when the presence and the power of God is working, if you have unbelievers that are in the building, two things will happen whenever the Holy Ghost begins to work. Two things. Number one, they will recognize that something's going on. Okay, they will recognize there's a hand of something happening, and I don't understand it. The second thing is this, they won't understand it. Okay? They understand something. Two things will happen. They will recognize that something's going on, but the second thing is this, they're going to go, what's up? Crazy. I, I don't catch that. What? And sister, anybody can be able to come through a service that is absent supernatural power and begin to understand, oh, 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 why? Because you are dealing with intellect to intellect, okay? But when you come into a service where there is supernatural moving of the presence and the Spirit of God, what immediately begins to happen is this. All of a sudden, your mind has to go, whoa, I don't understand that. Why? Because he's dealing not with the mind, but he's also dealing with the heart. Okay? So realize this. But change comes not from the mind, but change, true change, comes from where? The heart. So understand this. We are looking for hearts to be changed. But in order for hearts to be changed, guess what? 
We have to deal with the heart. And the supernatural power of God, sometimes when he begins to move, it sometimes makes your mind go, I don't understand. But your heart is going, ooh, there's something here. There's something here. There's something here. There's something here. And sometimes he'll make you uncomfortable. And sometimes he'll make you go, I don't know well, what in the world is going on. What's going on? What's going on? Because if you begin to read verses 7 all the way down, just following down to, I guess, around to verse 13, what you will find is this, that the people that are going, I'm confused, they are beginning to look around and they're seeing, hearing all these languages that are saying the same things to them. Every single language group. And the people are going, dude, I'm from Crete. And I hear this guy from Galilee. He looks like a fisherman. I smell fish on him. But out of his mouth, he's speaking the language that I know. And glorifying God in the middle of it. And guys are going... What? You don't look like you can be able to do that, but yet you're doing it. You don't look like you can do it, but yet you're doing it too. That's what everybody is in the midst of saying. I don't understand, but I know something's going on. This makes no sense, but I know something's going on. I can't compute this, but I know that something is going on. And what will always happen is this. You'll have those that will say things like that, and all of a sudden you'll always turn into this. Well, I don't know what's going on, but I'll crack a joke. I'll make fun of it. I'll say this about it. I'll say that about it. And that's what began to happen. But look at what then begins to happen in verse 14. Because realize this, brother and sister, understand this. This is one of the very important reasons why that you need to be in a church, that you need to be able to have not only freedom to be able to worship God, but you also have the balance of somebody that has the authority to be able to speak the word of God. Because look at what begins to happen in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Israel or Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only around nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in these last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. And sister, in the midst of all the confusion, in the midst of all the stuff, guess what then begins to happen? Peter stands up and he begins to say, this is what the Word says. Now if you'll begin to look, what then begins to happen is this. Peter begins to preach a message explaining who Jesus is and explaining and then saying this, what you've just experienced is the same thing that you saw Jesus doing. Jesus did miracles, and what you are seeing now is just the result of what Jesus has done. He's now passed on a mantle of the supernatural to the church. And realize what begins to happen. Look down now. Hey, there's just one word that I want to be able to hit very quickly. Look at what he says. Um, and listen to what he says in verse 41. And then those who glad, or verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 
And let me just stop there for just a second and say this. Yes, there's the ability to have power. Yes, the Lord wants us to be able to live in power. Yes, He wants us to operate in power. Yes, He wants God to be able to pour out the Holy Ghost in us. But realize this. There must be the balance of the Word of God that is able to focus and to be able to call the lost home. Realize this. Out of confusion... A church that is empowered not only saw the greatness of all the power of God, but also they saw 3,000 get saved in one day. Brother and sister, understand this. God is a God that He wants to be able to come and to be able to work in our lives. He wants to do the impossible. My friends, let me just ask you this. Please, somebody... Will you please show me where it's biblical for you to dread to go to the house of God? Somebody please show me in the Bible where that it's biblical for you to dread being in church as a believer. Now, if you don't know Jesus and the Holy Ghost is moving, there's a reason why you probably dread it. Because you know the Holy Ghost is going to come and conviction is going to fall. But if you're a believer, understand something. There is no biblical application that says that you, should that you should dread it. But instead, David himself says, My God, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Brothers, understand something. It is not, the church is not supposed to be a place where we dread coming. It's not supposed to be a place where we are dry to come, but it's a place for us to be able to experience the power and the presence of the Lord working in a real way in our lives. When we begin to experience God working in power, all of a sudden, things begin to happen. Brother and sister, this is what we want to be able to, for Rosa Sharon to be. Let's just understand something. This is why in our value statement, whenever you start talking about things that we value, welcome home to a place of what? H-O-M-E. Hope, outreach, maturing, experiencing. Realize this, brother and sister. Without those moments that you experience the presence and the power of God in our gatherings, that is what we want. Because when you experience the power and the presence of Almighty God, you will experience hope for tomorrow. Hope for what you can be. Hope for what has happened in your life. Knowing that there's a God that can be able to help you in the midst of it. It's Jesus who brings this hope for any circumstance. Any situation in your life. That's the reason why that we want to be able to be a church that allows the presence of the Lord to flow because we want to be a place where hope is found in these gatherings. Understand this. The power of God in our services is a purpose. It is the purpose of our meetings. But it is also to be the launching pad for ministry. And this morning I want to be able to share this with you and I want to be able to give you this idea and I want to be able to just prompt you this morning and I'll finish up the week after uh, dealing with the effectiveness and the, and, the, and the commitment and the community of saints this morning I want to just drop this thought in your heart this morning realize this the church it is not meant for it to just be a bless me club but it's meant to be something more this morning. It's meant for us to be a place where the power of God moves in powerful ways. This morning, I just have one question. That is, am I alone in the house when I say, Dear God, I want to be able to experience the power of God every time we open up these doors. And I want to be able to see God do something awesome in this place. I want to see lives change. I want to see the freedom of the Holy Ghost roar through this place. Am I the only one this morning? This morning, if that is the truth, brother and sister, then we, 
I'm going to come back and I'm going to say this again. I wasn't planning on saying it, but I'm going to go on and say it again. In Acts chapter 1, I'm going to hit it again. What did they do before Acts 2? Take your Bibles. I want everybody's nose right here in Acts chapter 1 for just a moment. I want to share this with you. And I'm going to quit because I know you're ready to quit. You've been ready for me to quit for a while, but hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, we're going to move on. And I think I'm going to sweat myself into a puddle up here. Well, I got to quit. Lord have mercy. Either that or I got to get a bigger fan. Hallelujah. Look in Acts chapter 1. Look here. Look in verse 12. Throw that up there in verse 12. Sister Joy. Acts 1 and verse 12. Look at this. They've just heard from Jesus who said, Go in Luke 4, 24 and verse 49. Go to Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high. So they returned from Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Now look at verse 13. And when they entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew. Realize this, it's not a one-man show. Realize this, it's not a one-man show. Check it one more time. That is not a one-man show. Realize this. There were 120 that were in the upper room. 120. And they changed a city. And they changed a nation. And they changed a continent. And they changed the world. With 120. Look at verse 14. These all, with one accord in prayer, with supplication, with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers, all of these gathered together, prayed, and they sought after God. I know I asked this last, last week. I just feel in my heart I need to hit this, hit this nail again. You'll probably hear me hitting this nail a few more times. That is this. If you want to have an empowered church, you have to have an empowered prayer life. Do you realize this, brother and sister? 120 changed the city, changed the nation, changed the continent, change the world 120 120 120 individuals that nobody made to go to prayer 120 people that nobody had to shame them to pray 120 people that nobody had to bribe them and twist their arm to be able to go to pray you know why? Because some scholars believe there was 500 or so that were there to begin with. But within the six days, only 120 were left. You know what that lets me know? Wouldn't you hate to be the person the day before the day of Pentecost that says, Oops, I gotta go. My sister, I wonder how many times that you've had to be shamed into praying. How many times have we come to a place that we've only prayed just because when bad stuff happened to us? How many times have we had to be prayed because I felt a responsibility, well, that somebody was twisting my arm to get me to show up to pray? How many times have we come into a position that our prayer, we don't even have a prayer closet because we don't use it enough to call it a prayer closet. Ooh, Lord, I know, I know I'm, I'm cutting very close. And I know I'm speaking directly to us this morning. This morning, 
Understand something. You cannot be able to have the day of Pentecost and be empowered if you don't show up hungry. Hunger dictates to me every day that I find something to eat. Are you hungry for the presence of the Lord that every day it drives you to be able to find Him somewhere? And I'm not talking about, oh, Lord, give us a good day today. Thank you, Lord. No, I'm talking about getting alone with Him. Because you want to be able to know the thing that will change you? It's prayer. You want to know the thing that will honestly will cause hell to be able to start looking at you in a completely different way? It's called prayer. You want to know what will change your family and will change the people around you? You start praying. You want to know what it is to have Holy Ghost throw down? I'm talking about people getting touched all over the building and stuff happening all over the place. It's not because you're bringing a preacher. It's not because you're bringing a prayer or a, a praise and worship leader. It's not because you go to a big conference. It's not any of those things. It's because of one reason. Somebody has been praying. This morning, I went, and I closed with this. I had the opportunity to go to Brownsville back in the mid-90s. I've said this many, many different times. Brownsville was in Pensacola, Florida. They had an outbreak of just, of just revival. That went on. You can get on YouTube and look up Brownsville Revival. It's just ridiculous what went on there. A friend of mine in Dyersburg was pastoring. He, he had a bus, and he was bringing a busload of people. And he called me and said, Man, I'm going to be passing right down right down from where you're at as we drive down 51. If you want to go with us, come on. And I said, well, and it looked where it worked out. And guess what? I got on the bus, and I went with him to Brownsville. When I got there, what I saw there is what I'd seen in church all my life. I'd seen the same thing. And you know what? The thing that blessed my heart more than anything else, they were having revival. And people was doing great, and man, God was doing great in my thing in people's life. But you know what I began to realize? Why? It wasn't because they had the greatest of evangelists or the greatest of praise and worship leaders. Richard, man, Richard Good, Richard Crisco, the youth pastor there, he's awesome. It wasn't because of him. Lindell, Noam, great guy. Not because of him. You know what? I remember showing up for church for a building that holds 2,500 people. I showed up with our with that church group at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8.30 in the morning. Guess what? We did not make it into the building. We had to go into the youth building, which seated 1,200 people, and we almost didn't make it in there. Do you know what we did from 8.30 all the way to they opened up the doors to let you go in at, at 5.30? It was nothing more than just, a, it was a Woodstock Jesus Holy Ghost meeting. People standing up and just playing the guitar and worshiping Jesus for all day long. Whenever we finished up there, guess what? At 5.30, they opened up the doors. They walked in, and people was already at the altar, stretched across the altars. People were already just worshiping God everywhere. The presence of the Lord, and they haven't even played a single note yet. They didn't even, haven't even turned up all the stage lights yet. Everything was dark on the stage, and people laid out all over the place. Why? Because they came ready to be able to pray and to receive from the Lord. They've been praying all day long. And whenever Linda walked up there and he hit those keys the first time, all of a sudden it didn't matter. They were already in the middle of church because God had already showed up because people had been praying. And sister, this morning, I want to see God work in this place. But it comes in this. Will you pray?
you pray. Listen this morning. I wanted to talk about the effect of church. And I'll say this and I'll save the rest of it for the week after homecoming. The effect of church is not a one man show. God didn't call me to be me and you, He called me to be me. He called you to be you. And whenever the church gets together that has been praying and the Holy Ghost falls, you want to talk about harvest. You want to talk about seeing God do great things. It only happens when the body gets together to pray. Whether we come on a Tuesday morning, whether you pray at your house first thing in the morning before you go to work, you'll pray. God will show up. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I... God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, this morning. God, Lord, for the empowered church. God, Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are a church of believers. And we are the temple. God, Lord, you are the one that feels. You are not just the one that feels. You're God, Lord. You empower. You empower church services. You empower us outside of the church. You empower us, oh God, to do great and mighty things. To see awesome things. Dear God, it's only revealed, Lord, as we, as the church, seek you. And come ready, Lord. Because we've been in your presence. Lord Jesus, today, my prayer is, oh God, let us become a church that prays and becomes empowered by your Spirit like never before. Dave, you're here this morning. You say, Pastor Tim, I want to be able to see my life empowered by the presence of the Lord and to see this church empowered in the presence of the Lord and to see God do great things in me and in this body of believers. That's what I want to ask you to do this morning. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And I want to ask you to come and meet me around this front this morning. Come on right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to come. Why don't you come this morning? Say, Pastor Tim, I want to be, I want to see the power of God in my life, and I want to see it work in this church. Why don't you just come?